0: All right. Good job. There you go. Yeah, good. Well, hey, good morning. good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Hopefully hopefully you guys had a wonderful last couple of days. Uh, but uh, as we go into this morning's sermon, I wanted to take time to, to pray, start beginning to pray for our schools and our children, our students, all these things, because there's, there's, a, there's a big uh, uh, thing coming up here. I mean, this is a big thing for a lot of people's lives uh, is getting ready for school. How many, how many parents right now are getting your kids ready for school, getting all the, the to-do lists done? Yeah, absolutely. I'm part of that. So uh, I want our church to give an extra covering. Uh, for that this morning, so uh, and also for our teachers and all of our staff, a lot of people here at our church uh, are working for the school district. So we want to cover you too. So will you join me as we pray? Uh, and we're going to cover our students, our parents, and. All the staff at the school. Let's pray. Father, we lift up uh, this time of year right now, God, because we know that there's a lot of things to do, a lot of things to prepare for, Lord, but, Lord, we lift up all of our students, Lord, as they start off this new school year. For some of them, it's starting off new schools, sometimes it's just this anxiety that builds up in their hearts, and we ask for your peace to settle their hearts. Uh, we pray for the parents, God, to you give them extra grace, extra patience, uh, so that they can launch their kid off into a good year this year, God, and Lord, we pray for all the staff, all the teachers, and people that... Lord God, work for the school district. Lord, we pray for extra covering, extra grace. We know that there's a lot of sacrifice in this, Lord God, in this job, but Lord, we know that you have called them for it and we ask for a special anointing and blessing and protect our schools and we thank you for this opportunity to be together this morning. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. Well, we are uh, winding down our summer. It's okay to say aw. is about over here. And what we did this summer is we took the last part of it to to relook at some of the topics in the series that we've been talking about this year, how many know it's, a, it's an important thing for us to, to review what God has already spoken to us? Sometimes we move too quickly, and I think there's times and special moments in our lives where we need to reflect back on the previous year, and so that's what this whole thing's about, and uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna be launching a new year coming up in two weeks, so September 15th, we're kicking off our year here in Grace, and we're gonna kick it off with a Vision Sunday. I'm so excited for it, I'm so pumped to share new things but uh, before we get there, I wanted to kind of look back at our theme this year. Our theme this year was multiply. We say multiply. multiply. We believe that that was a prophetic word from the Lord. It said that this year would be the year to multiply what God wants to do in you and through you. So I hope that this year you've experienced God's multiplication. How I many can say that this year God increased something in my life? He's blessed me beyond what I have imagined or could have thought or think or prayed for because God is that good. How many can testify that this year, amen? I mean, God is so good, and I believe that, that, that there's so much more ahead of this following year. But as we're talking about multiplication, as we're talking about God multiplying in us, uh, I wanted to relook at that, because we based that off of, of Matthew 28, and so we're gonna look at that today in hopefully a new light for us. But, um, but I wanna begin this morning's talk with giving you a word, a word that is a bit controversial, a word that, that when I say this, people will conjure up a thought or a feeling or idea about this word. It, it's a loaded word. In fact, when I say this word, I believe that there'll be, somebody needs to answer their phone right now, huh? <laughs> Is that me? No? No? We're good? Okay, cool. It's all good. Invite them to church. Tell them there's still time. <laughs> or, or FaceTime them, that's, that's always good too. I'll even give a special shout out to them. <laughs> but uh, this word that I'm about to share with you, I believe that it will make some of us feel uncomfortable. It's that type of word. But I think that in this word, it's actually a challenge from God. I think that not only a challenge, but how many you know that when there's a challenge from God, there's also a blessing on the other hand? And that's what this word can conjure up. My hope is that I can unpack uh, the root meaning of this word through the context of scripture. You ready for this word? Did I build it up enough? This word is radical. Everybody say radical. Radical. See what I mean? Radical. What do you think of when you hear that word radical? What what comes into your mind? What do you think of? What what pictures or people maybe that come up when you think the word radical? The 90s? Yeah. There's a lot of ideas, a lot of ideas. But what if I was to tell you this morning that that God wants you and me to be more radical in our faith, more radical in our love? Well, what does that mean? What kind of feelings and, and thoughts that, does that conjure up, that, that, that God wants me, me, me to be more radical in my faith, more radical in my love. And I know that for some of us, when we think of this word radical, we think of fanatical, right? We think of somebody that's extreme or, or, or crazy or weird, Right, like some of us don't want to be associated as being known as a radical person, right? When we think of a radical person, we probably think of somebody who's like just over the top, that, that they're just gonna be loud and in your face. Like some of you guys are fanatical about your Seahawks, right? Yeah. Come on, <laughs> yeah? Come on, what crowd am I I know my crowd, right? <laughs> you guys got the win, that's okay, that's okay. It's preseason. <laughs> Ugh. But when we think of radical, we often think of fanatical. We think of the over-the-edge, over-the-top person. And we don't wanna be associated that way. We don't wanna be labeled that way. We don't wanna be a radical person. We don't, we don't wanna especially be a radical Christian, right? When you think of that, you probably think of somebody that's gonna like thump you over the head with a Bible, <laughs> right, people that are gonna yell at you and scream at you, and, and that's not the essence of this word. So when you hear that, you think, oh man, I don't know if I'm, I'm ready for this, but let me tell you this morning that Jesus was radical. How many you know that? He wasn't fanatical, he was radical. And that's what I wanna talk about this morning because I believe that that's what the life that Jesus wants to lead us into, wants to lead us into. I believe that in that word it really embodies what God has called us to be as his follower, that we ought to live a radical life for him. See, the word radical really means is relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something far reaching and thorough. You know, hopefully for us in our lives, there was a radical change when we encountered Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us very clearly that, that when we come to Jesus, that there is a transformation that says that we are a new creature, that there has to be some radical change, something drastic in your life. It says that you go from darkness and into his marvelous light. There should be something in you that was so radically different that people notice. When you encounter Jesus, that's what he does. See, there's a radical change that happens that has to occur in God. So hopefully you're living that radical life already. Have I convinced you yet that this is a positive word? Well, let me help you out. We're going to look at the Great Commission because I think this is a radical calling. I think it's, it's a radical mission that Jesus sets before us. This is Jesus giving his instructions. He's passing the baton to his followers, he's passing this, this mission off to them, and, and, and he's given them these instructions. He's given them this, this mandate to follow, and it's radical. Listen to what he says. He says this in Matthew 28, verse 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, in our translation, we really, we really uh, simplify this in a way where we don't get a lot of meaning behind it. I mean, it's very straight and direct, right? Go and make disciples, I get that. But do you know the original language is this? He says, while you're going through your life, while you're living your life, go and share the story of what Jesus done for you to anyone and anyone to all people, and as you're doing that, be ready to help them and lead them into the walk that you're walking. I love that, I love that. So our job is to go and make disciples and make other followers of Jesus, And, and, and I think that because of our translation, we just made it in a way that it's just really hard for us to wrap our head around. Like right now, in this morning's message, if I told you that your assignment for this week is to go and make disciples, now go and make disciples. What, where would you start? What would you do? What, what would you think that I meant by that? See, that's the problem. A lot of us, we don't think enough about this. We don't understand fully even the idea of what a disciple is. Like in our culture today, we don't use this word outside of church very often, do we? Like my son just got a job at Champ Sports, plug for Champ Sports. If you need some shoes for your kids, go to Champ Sports, right? <laughs> Trey will be there, sizing you up. But I'm sure when he went to his interview, they didn't ask him a question like this. Who did you disciple and who are you discipling? Right, that would be weird. If you went to Starbucks today, you're not gonna ask your barista when they give you your coffee, mm, this is good coffee. Who discipled you in making this coffee? See, we don't talk like that. We don't use that word outside of church. So sometimes when we think of this word and this concept, it's really foreign to us. We can't wrap our head around because if I was to tell you to go do this, you're gonna say, how do I do this? Where do I start? What, what does this look like in my life? I think it gets lost even in the context of church when we hear this. You know, if I was to come to each and every one of you and I said, hey, how are you invested and involved in the process of discipleship, at least in the context of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 28, I think a lot of you would be scratching your head and not know how to give me an answer for that. So we need to begin with understanding this clear, understanding and have a clear definition of what a disciple is. How a disciple ought to live, and how do you make more of them? Because Jesus says this is important. He's leaving this to us. As he's ascending to heaven, he says, This is what you ought to do. This is is what a disciple's destiny is. This is what a disciple's purpose is. This is what a disciple ought to follow. And yeah, that's why it's so important. So if it's important to him, it's got to be important to us. So how do we do this? Well, I'm so thankful that the Word of God teaches us and helps us understand this even better. Let's keep reading. This is why it's so important here, verse 19. So he says, go and uh, make disciples of all nations and he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's saying, teach them the full gospel. Teach them the full gospel. I mean, we sang that in our creed today, right? That we believe in God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, that we need to share them, that it needs to be real to us, that when people come to us and say, hey, what are you about, that you're gonna be able to share the full gospel, that here I was, uh, not able to save myself, but Jesus came from heaven, he is God, the Son, and that he rescued me, but gave his life for me. You need to, uh, to share that with people around you. And as you share the full gospel of who God is to you, it would open them up to ask the question, just like many times in the Bible, where they say, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? How do I get baptized? How do I find this life that you have found? Like That ought to be something that comes out of us as followers and believers of Jesus Christ. That this gotta be how we live our life, and that's what Jesus is saying. As you go about your life, as you're doing this, be ready, because there'll be an opportunity to give an answer for the faith that lies within you. So you need to do that, and as you do that, you open up people, people to this concept, this understanding of who God is who he is to you. That's what people wanna know. They're like, I've heard a lot about God. I've heard a lot about religion, but but who is he to you? And you ought to give an answer. You ought to be ready for that. That's what Jesus says is that first step of this. And, and, And that right there is where most of us Stop, that right there is where most churches kind of stop and check that box of fulfilling the Great Commission. They think that if I just share the gospel, if I just give some people opportunities for the gospel and they receive it, then I'm good. I'm following this mandate. I'm following what Jesus called us to do. But I wanna tell you this morning, there's so much more beyond that. That's not all that he's saying, let's keep going. Because the second part is just as important. He says this, he says, as you do that, teach them to obey everything I commanded you. Last week I talked about these words obedience and submission and how it makes us cringe inside, right? We have a hard time sometimes when we hear the word obedience because we've had experiences in our life where somebody who was in authority in our life abused that power and and, and we've submitted and we had to obey when, when it was hard on us, right? But then we also learned last week that Jesus is a humble leader who used his authority to serve and save his people, So he could be trusted, he could be somebody that we obey, that we follow, because he is for our good, amen? But notice that Jesus didn't say, just teach them what I said. He didn't say that. He said, teach them to obey what I said. Don't just teach them, see a lot of us, were good at just telling people what to do, what not to do, what the Bible says, but he says, no, as you're living this life, as you're obeying me, you're gonna teach them how to do this. Teach them how to obey, as you obey, you're gonna show them how to obey my commands. You see the difference? And The verse, third part passage is key here, it says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is my favorite part, you know why? Because it says that through this process, through this discipleship process, he says that he will be with us, that he will be guiding us, that we're not alone in this effort, that he will stand with us, that we're not alone in this disciple-making mission. He says, I'll be with you through it all. I'll help you give an answer. I'll help you guide these people. I'll help you live this out before them. And later on, you'll find out that he says, not only will he help us, but he also will be the source of this. This is the call for every follower, every believer. Sounds pretty radical, doesn't it? Because it is. And it will take something radical to happen in you and through you to fulfill this call but that's what Jesus wants for every one of us, every one of us to live these radical lives. So the question this morning to ask yourself is, what holds me back for being this radical for Jesus? What holds me back from being a radical follower for him? Because there's some things that stop us. Uh, let Let me give you some examples here, so this last week, my family and I, we traveled through uh, northern Idaho. How many of you guys have been to northern Idaho? Man, that is God's country. I mean, that is beautiful, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just, it's so amazing. And, and as we're driving through there, we started going through these narrow roads and these, these steep hills, and there was like these cliffs that would just drop straight down like 50, 60 feet, and you're trying to drive. And what I thought was, was crazy was that there was no guardrails on these roads. But there was a couple of signs, caution signs, signs like this, signs like this, you got you ever see these? These scare me, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm like white knuckling up these roads, you know, and trying to get through the real narrow roads, and, and, and I see these signs. And those signs like that, they communicate something to us, right? They communicate that there's a steep road ahead. They, they communicate that there, there might be some danger ahead to slow down, to pay close attention of where you're going. It helps us and informs us of things that we can't see in the moments. Now here's the thing, unfortunately I think in our lives when we're walking this walk of faith, when we're following after Jesus, I think we've created caution signs in our faith. Caution signs that hold us back for fully living the life. How many of you know that that Jesus, man, uh, uh, (laughs) he's gonna take us places that are gonna freak us out a bit? Have you been there? Places that make us feel uncomfortable, and I wanna say that I'll be the first one to admit that there's some times where I'm guilty of this too. I will put caution signs. I would put caution in front of me. I try to play it safe at times with following Jesus, but how many of you know that, that Jesus isn't safe to follow? Because Jesus is gonna take you off road sometimes, right? There's stories in the Bible where, where they didn't, the disciples were, got very uncomfortable when Jesus says, hey, the road that I'm going, where you're following me, is you're gonna follow me through Samaria. And they're like, ooh, I don't know about that. That makes me a little uncomfortable, I mean, there was constantly times where these disciples were following Jesus and he made them uncomfortable. He made them feel a little unsafe in the moment. Oh God, that, that's a little too much. You know, we wanna stay on the roads with less bumps, right? We wanna have the smooth paved road sometimes in following Jesus, so we made our faith and our Christianity and following Jesus a little safe, a little too comfortable, and it's how we live our life. We take a very cautious approach to our walk of faith. And the problem is, is that we have given the world this impression that following Jesus in Christianity is safe, when I, I don't think it is. I think God's always gonna stretch us, right? God's always gonna take us places He's gonna make it feel uneasy. He's gonna say, trust me, I'll guide you, I'll, I'll build you up to the place where you can do these things that you never saw you able to do, but yet he will guide us through it all. But we need to trust him. Too many times people see our life, they're like, oh, I don't see that in your life. And we, we, we show a, a, a sign of Christianity that where it feels like there's no risk involved, that there's no sacrifice required. Well, let me tell you, there is a cost to following Jesus. Amen? Do you believe that? There is a cost to following Jesus. I mean, Jesus often taught this as he was building up disciples, as he was he was making disciples out of those that were around him. He always talked about the cost of following him, the discipleship aspect of this. And when he did that, he turned the crowd into followers. Many people have received the message that in their life, when they, when they come to Jesus, that Jesus did everything, but Jesus didn't, doesn't require anything from them. And the reality is this, listen to me. The reality is, is that the first part of this is absolutely true, right? The amazing part is that Jesus did everything for our salvation. There was nothing that we did to earn it. There's nothing that we did. Like, I didn't have to clean myself up to come to Jesus. I didn't get had to get my life straight to come to Jesus. I came with all my mess. I came as I am, and he was there to embrace me and to love me and to redeem me and to bring me into this new life. Like, I received that free. Nothing on my part. I can't take credit for any of it, any of it. And that, my friends, is the full gospel, right? It is by grace through faith. Like don't ever stray away from that. If you hear anybody else say something that is Jesus and, I'm telling you, that is not the full gospel. That's no gospel at all, Paul says. But here's the other side to it. We don't always fully communicate the full part of it, is that, yes, he gave us himself, he gave us all, but in return we give all of ourselves to him. You see how that works? Like We give him all, we surrender it all. And I think so many times sometimes we soft sell it, sometimes we 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 miscommunicate that part because we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. See, what we're doing is we're doing a disservice to people because they start beginning to walk this relationship out with Jesus, where Jesus is doing everything for them and, 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 and he's doing everything for them, but they're not doing anything on their end. Here's the thing. We should respond the way the apostle Paul surrendered said to surrender our lives. This is what apostle Paul said in regards to this. In Galatians 2.20, he says, for I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, when we come to God, we don't do it. When, when we surrender our lives to him after he gave us such a great love, we, we, our response to him is say, God, I will... I will do everything you called me to do. I will live the way you called me to live. Like, you would surrender everything to him. You're not doing it out of obligation. You're not doing it out of have to. You're doing it out of honor and respect for what he's done for you. And that, my friends, is what Jesus is saying is how we ought to obey him, not out of this obligation of have tos, but out of the heart of want to. Jesus, I want to link up to your mission. Jesus, I want to go where you're sending me. You're not, you're not doing it out of fear of, of disobeying, but you're doing it out of love for him and being obedient to him, to please him, to go all in to what he's called you to do. And well, that's what that word obey means in this passage. Teach them to obey. Teach them to be all in. Now look at somebody and say, all in. all in. You gotta be all in. He says, you gotta be All in. You know, I know it looks different to follow Jesus now than it was back then. I mean, back then, with the early followers, I mean, it was literally pack up your bags, quit your job, say goodbye to your family, and follow Jesus to the next town, right? Now, in 2019, what does it look like to follow Jesus? It might look different than that, but I'm telling you, still the heart of it means you gotta be all in. Right, that hasn't changed. You gotta be all in. You know, this word, Teach them to obey in this all-in approach, doing whatever Jesus has said to link in your life to him. This is a navigational word. See, to the Greeks and to the Romans, they use this word to describe how sailors would use the stars to navigate through the seas. And he's saying, obey God in such a way, obey his word in such a way that you are guiding your life by what he has said, for what he's put on your heart. You're linking yourself up and he's directing the course of your life. He says, as you do that, teach others to do that as well. That's what he's saying when he says, teach them to obey my commands. Teach them to follow after me, aligning ourselves to him. So this morning, you gotta ask yourself, am I all in? Am I fully following after him? Or do I like to play it safe? Do I like to kind of do it on my terms, setting up my boundaries, holding up my caution?" I wanna tell you, this is a hard question to ask. This takes some time of reflection, this takes some honesty on your part to say, God, what are some areas in my life that you've called me, you put on my heart and I've just been resisting, that I've just been holding back because I've been afraid, because I, 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 I've been too cautious about this. I, I, I don't wanna get out of my comfort zone. I don't wanna step out into places where I, I, just, I, I just don't feel good about in the moment. I have some fear. See, what we tend to do is we put these boundaries up. Let me, let me give you an example. I'm going back to my youth, youth group days here. I'm gonna give you some object lesson here. What's this? Caution, Caution tape, right? What's the purpose for it? <laughs> to warn people, to give them boundaries, right? Here, you, Jose, you're gonna help me out, all right? You're gonna catch this. You, can, you got it? All right. Sorry, buddy. I let you down. Pull it out, but like tighten it up, get, bring some tension in this. I think a lot of times we do this in our life, in our spiritual life, we, we put up these boundaries, we put up these caution barriers, and I'm guilty of this, I've done this in the past. I've done this in the past where, where there you go, good job. You can tie it to your chair, you can just hold it. But what I've done is I, I create these barriers in my heart. Now, externally, I, t- I tell God, oh, I'll do whatever you want. You know, I sing these songs in worship, oh, you make me brave. You make, I'm not gonna sing the whole song because I'm not gonna ruin it for you. But we, we say these things, right? We say, God, I'll go anywhere, do anything, but internally in my heart, I've created these boundaries. I put these things up in my life, and I, and I say, God, I'll, I'll follow you this far, but I, I, I just don't feel comfortable. I, I just can't go past this. You know that tension in your life? Let me bring it home a little bit more. Maybe there's this time where you're just like, God, i do whatever. You come out of church and you're just pumped and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna trust you. And then you get to this place where God says, well, you need to call that person, you need to forgive them. Yeah, God, but it hurts so bad. Yeah, I don't think I could do it. God said, will you trust me? Will you lead me? And we set up this caution tape. Ooh, that's out of my comfort zone. About another reason, God's like, hey, you know, I need you to trust me with your finances. You're sitting there going, God, it's a mess. I don't know where to start. And God said, will you put me first? Will you put this in a priority? Will you trust me with your finances? And you're just like, ooh, you get to that point where he's like, ooh, I'm just not comfortable with that yet. That's too much of a commitment. That's too much of, of a risk for me. I, I just don't know. And you stay right here. And what we do is we subtly start putting all this tape all over our lives. We've put all these boundaries, this caution all around us, and we live this little life. We're not experiencing the fullness of what God has called us to do. Wow. And we corner ourselves into this little thing and we wonder why we're not experiencing that abundant life that is promised in the Bible. We wonder why we're not receiving the promises that God has given us because we're not willing to step out. We're not willing to go into a place where we're like, God, I'm gonna trust you no matter what and break the barrier and say, God, I'm ready to go. I'm gonna follow you no matter what, I'm gonna trust you. That is the mark of a disciple. That's what he's calling us to do. And I wanna give you permission, church, as Grace Church, we're gonna live without caution tape this year. We're gonna step out of boundaries that we've set up. We're gonna get, it's gonna be a thing around here where we're gonna say, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Why don't you get comfortable with being uncomfortable? Because I believe that where God has taken us is gonna take us to new places. If we wanna pioneer stuff, we gotta go off-roading with Jesus. If we wanna go do things that we've never done before, we gotta be willing to take it. We've been willing to go. And that's what I'm crying out for but I'm saying, God, you gotta start this work in me right now. You gotta help me break these boundaries that I've set up in my own heart about things that I'm saying I'm willing to do and not do as I follow after you. See, a real disciple is one that's gonna be fully in to where Jesus is going. I mean, there was this guy in the Bible who's referred to as a rich young ruler where Jesus came up to him one day and said, he had a plan for him. I mean, we don't know. This guy could have been the greatest evangelist in the Bible Jesus said, Come and follow me. But you know why? This guy he resisted? Because he didn't want to get out of his comfort zone. So, what are we going to do? What are some things in our lives that we've kept at a distance? Because we don't want to step out of our comfort zone. See, maybe our obedience is only contingent on our comfort. Maybe that's where we're at. Maybe that's the challenge this morning. See, what's crazy about this is that eventually this caution tape, it becomes something that wraps us up and it twines our life. We set this up and all of a sudden we can't do what God's calling to do because it becomes the biggest uh, obstacle in our lives when God's pressing on our heart about going a certain way or doing a certain thing. All of a sudden we get caught up and tripped up. I see this all the time. These are some things I gotta work out in my life. And this is the posture that so many people live in. They are living in a cautious life. But Jesus says, I need you to follow me. I need you to not hold back. I need you to get out of your comfort zone. You know what happened? Sometimes we make comfort an idol. That's what happened to the rich young ruler, that he made comfort an idol, and that's something that we're susceptible of. And so we need to realize that, God, there's gonna be times where I'm gonna be challenged, where I'm gonna step out, and I'm gonna be uncomfortable. I gotta get to the place where I fully trust you and step out of my comfort zone as you lead me forward. Are you ready, church? Are you ready to get into that this year? Some of you guys are like, oh, I don't know, man. Some of you introverts are gripping your seat right now. You're like, what is going on? So how do you do this? How do you break out of this? How do you tear down these boundaries? How do you step out of your comfort zone? Get rid of the caution tape. Well, I think with a sermon like this, you're ready for the doing part, right? Some of you guys are like writing stuff down. Okay, what's the steps? How do I do this? Well, I'm gonna tell you, it has nothing to do with doing more. It's gonna take you being more. It's gonna require you to be more radical. And I'm gonna help you out with that. You know how I'm gonna do that? I'm gonna give you a, a new definition of what being radical is. And I have something that's gonna help me. It's gonna put an image in your mind. Every time you see this, you're gonna think about how to be more radical in your faith. You ready for it? Here it is. You all need some more pineapples in your life, right? No, that's not what I'm saying, that's not the message today. You might think, what's that have to do with being radical? It has everything to do with being radical. I wanna take you a passage that says just that. Go to John 15, John 15. I think this is one of the most radical passages in the Bible. Jesus says this in verse five. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, that's the crux of it all, of following Jesus, right? That he has to be part of the process. He's gotta be the source of our life. See, there's a lot of people trying to do things for Jesus without Jesus. And yet it's impossible to do. It's impossible to bear spiritual fruit without Jesus. He's goes on to say this. He says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Man, that's some radical talk from Jesus, isn't it? Basically saying that any branch that is broken off that's not connected, it withers and dies. He says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, this obedient step, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why, because you're lining up your life into God's word. And he says this, he says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. I wonder if you've ever asked yourself, what glorifies God the most? Well, according to Jesus is when we bear fruit in our life. That's amazing. He goes on and saying, showing yourself to be my disciple. Do you know that fruit is actually the trademark of a disciple? of a follower, of what makes us different. It's, what this, it's not about what we do, it's about who we are, what comes out of our lives. And he says this, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, so now remain in my love. Remain in me. Stay connected to me. So how does this word radical tie into this all? Well, let me tell you something. You know, this word radical, it actually is a Latin word. It comes from, uh, originates from the Latin word that means this, to be rooted in. To be rooted in. How many gardeners in this room? How many? How many of you guys? Some green thumbers? Yeah, yeah. You probably already know this, but I learned this this week. I learned that as you plant a seed and put it in the ground, you know when that that seed starts to to break out its root, you know when that that moment where the seed opens up and all of a sudden the root sticks out, that is called the radical, the radical. It's when the root system starts to form. So literally, the word radical means to be rooted in, to be rooted in Christ, means to be cultivating the fruit in your life. What is the fruit of the spirit? It's the character of Christ, right? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Come on, how many of you guys need more of that in your life? Think about a particular area in your life where you feel challenged what are some of the fruit that needs to be on display? What is some of the fruit that needs to be formed? Some of the fruit that needs to be developed in your life? Well, Jesus said that if you wanna gain this fruit, if you wanna break through that, that moment, you need to be in me. You need to be rooted in me. Stay rooted in me. And as we do that, the character of Christ comes out. When we stay connected to him, he becomes the source of this. It's not something that we have to conjure up. It's not something, and the reason why I'm telling you this is because in a few weeks, we're gonna talk about some exciting things about the discipleship process, we're gonna talk about some classes and some curriculum, and, and so many times we put all of our faith in saying that that's what makes a disciple, but I'm telling you, that's not what makes a disciple. You know what makes a disciple is when somebody is connected to Jesus. Those things are great, I love programs, I love new curriculum, I think those are tools to help us and guide us, but they're not the source. And we can't lead people into those things, we gotta lead them to Christ, to stay connected, to learn how to obey him, to learn how to live for him, learn how to walk where he's taken us. But it's in that how you make a disciple. That's radical living, and I love this because the word radical doesn't mean to be loud and to be obnoxious, it means to let your fruit fruit show to let Christ's character come out of you. I'm telling you, man, there's there's a lot of people out there that need this. There's a broken world out there that is starving for the fruit of Christ, the fruit of his character, and Jesus says that it's gonna come through you. It's gonna come by your life, being on display. Wherever you go, wherever you live, whatever the people that you're hanging out with, it needs to see the fruit of Christ come out of your life, and that's gonna be radical. That's gonna cause them to to ask you. There's gonna cause them to look at you differently and say, man, there's something about you that's different and when you have that moment, you're gonna be able to give an answer. You're gonna be able to show them the truth and guide them into this new life that you're experiencing. But it's gonna take a radical love, it's gonna take a radical faith and that only happens if you stay connected to Christ. Now, who wants to be radical? <laughs> who wants this year to take, your step, uh, take a step up in your faith, take a step out in your faith? For some of us, it's gonna require for us to just break some boundaries that we've set up in our lives. There's some things in our lives that we put up that we say, yeah, I'm, just, I'm not ready for that, I'm not committed for that, I'm not, I'm not sure, and yet God's speaking in your heart right now and he's revealing to you those areas and today's the day where you can make the change and you can say, Jesus, I'm gonna break this down. I'm gonna fully trust you in this area. I know God spoke to you, I know God's using this time to really get to the heart of the matter of something that's been a barrier in your life and yet today you're gonna say, Jesus, I surrender it. Jesus, I'm not gonna fight you in that. Jesus, I'm gonna trust you all the way. So for some of you, that's your first step today. Your first step is to say, Jesus, I wanna truly be after you. I wanna be all in, and this is that moment. So if that's you, I'm gonna give you a few minutes here to take a moment to just work that out with the Lord. And maybe there's some others here that you've not even connected. You're not even connected, you're on the outside looking in and you're just like, man, I haven't even received that grace, I haven't even received that life, but today is your day, today's the moment where you're just gonna say, Jesus, I received that. I'm accepting what you've done for me and I'm gonna receive the life that you have, but I surrender my life to you. Man, if you're sincere, if this is the desire of your heart, the Bible says that if you say that prayer, if you confess and repent, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness and cleanse you, this will be a new start and a new day. Can we stand? And then I think there might be a couple of us today that you just feel disconnected from God. You know what I'm talking about. You've allowed life to get in the way. You've allowed yourself to just do your own thing and you just feel today that you just feel so away and you feel dry inside and you're fragile I mean, you know, when something dries up, you know, you touch it and it just falls apart. That's how you feel. You're like, man, at any moment I could just fall apart right now. And you're just like, man, I long to get back to that place where I truly felt close to the Lord, where I truly felt like I was connected, that I was rooted down. And if that's you, it's just all it takes is for you to come back. All it takes for you to take that, make that decision this morning and say, God, I want to be close to you, I want to have that same closeness that, I've, that I long for in my heart. If that's you, you could say this prayer and I'm telling you that you would be refreshed in your spirit. So will you trust in that? Let's pray. Father, I just lift up my friends today, God, that maybe for the first time, they're starting to understand, God, that they've been working so hard, they've been trying to do all these things, but Lord, All that has left made them feel more empty, God. They just feel like they're not connected. They're not receiving, God. They're not into the source, Lord. They're not connected to you. And so I pray that if it's somebody for the first time, God, that in this moment, God, that they just open their heart, they repent of their sins, but then they receive the salvation that you bring when we put our faith in you. And I pray that you help them to walk that step out, Lord. I think pray for some of us, God, who have allowed boundaries because we've not wanted to step out of our comfort zone, Lord, but I pray today, God, that we have the faith to believe and trust, God, that if you called us there, God, you will provide a way, that you will make a way, that you won't leave us nor forsake us, God, but that you will guide us through it. So, Lord, I pray right now, for those right now that feel like they're in that moment, God, I pray that give them the courage to break that barrier and say yes to you, wherever, whenever. And God, I lastly, I just pray for those right now, God, that feel so distant from you. They've allowed life to fill up their time, fill up their heart, Lord. But today, God, they're just saying, God, I need you. You know what that means, Lord. And I pray right now that you refresh their spirit, build them up, encourage them, show them that you've never left them and that you have some greater things for them. So God, I pray that in this moment, you just refresh them, Lord. We thank you for this place, Lord. We thank you for this church. We pray, God, that as we move forward, that we as a church, God, we break the caution tape, God, that we break the barriers, that we go fully forward in what you've called us to be and called us to do for your name and for your glory. Help us to bear much fruit, fruit that remains. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Well, thank you so much for spending your Labor Day weekend with us. We're excited for Vision Sunday coming up in a couple of weeks. I hope you make the effort to come and join us as we celebrate what God has done and where God has taken us. God bless, have a wonderful day.